Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Coffee Steps. Uh, in this episode, I talked to Josh. He's an employee of ours uh, at Brighter, and he kind of made his way from a barista to a roaster in Made of Many, our roasting company. We thought like this is the best kind of starting point um, for us because it gives you a little bit of an insight of how he kind of made his way to that point and his perspective um, in making that shift and what that might look like or feel like. So I thought it was a good conversation to have. Um, this was our first um, podcast, so we're all new to this. So I brought along a couple friends, Amadeo and Junji, so they could um, ask a couple questions, make sure we covered all bases. We wanted to make sure that you guys um, didn't miss out on anything. Um, also make sure that we were interpreted kind of and understood in the right way because we're still like learning how to make this the best thing possible and to express ourselves as best as possible. So without further ado, here is uh, Josh and I talking about his roasting journey. Josh. Yeah. Welcome. Um, Josh uh, works here at Brighter Coffee, um, a cafe owned by Made of Many, and he also roasts at Made of Many. So in this podcast, yeah, um, I thought it would be great to talk about why would you want to roast? Mm. Because I think that it's a topic that a lot of people think they want to do or they think they want to explore or they think it's a... Um, a career progression in some I think it's all, all of those things, really. I, I think absolutely. It's mm. definitely like a little bit of all of those things. But um, it's good to start to talk about these things with, with someone like yourself because this is a not super recent journey, but you've started in this journey mm. as starting to roast coffee. And I thought it's better to ask someone with these kind of like questions and answers fresh in their mind than to ask me who's been doing it a little while because um, I may not have a very accurate relative point of view. How long ago did you people. start roasting? Um, okay, well, it depends on whether you're saying starting roasting commercially. Mm. So if you said like com like as far as like roasting for a roaster that was coffee sold by that roastery, we're looking at maybe seven years ago. Mm-hmm something like seven years ago and then but before that i had uh two roasters so i had a little coretto home roaster that i made out of a bread maker <laughs> um so that's like a, a coretto for for everyone listening a coretto is like a it's a it's a bread maker essentially and with the paddle at the bottom and it stirs it around and i put um, a temperature probe in the bottom of it so that it would stir around the beans and i put a heat gun covered by it like a like a uh it's kind of kind of like a thin um aluminium cover so that it could like so that it could cover it and it doesn't surprise me at all <laughs> yeah exactly so anyway it was um yeah it was very loose it didn't work very well <laughs> and i definitely smoked out the house a couple of times but anyway i started like yeah. that but one thing that's interesting super quick story is i was roasting on this coretto roaster and I was getting decent coffee. And I actually competed in the Brewers' Cup of um, New South Wales mm. with the coffee. With, the with, the, with the Coretto roast. Coretto. And I talked to someone um, uh, about these roasts, uh, which was really interesting because he's actually 
someone who I deeply respect in the coffee community, and that's um, Thule at Mecca. And I was speaking to him about these roasts and asking him whether or not they were too quick because I couldn't slow these roasts down in the Coretto. And I was roasting them maybe about six minutes. How what was six the batch seven size? minutes. Super small batch sizes. They were like... Um, I was doing around like 100 gram batches. I mean, it's not like a sample roast, yeah. but it's but it was it was small in in, in comparison. I, I could never get accurate reads on the on the thermocouples. But anyway, that's how I started, mm. and then I roasted on like a, a W6 Giesen, uh, which is a six kilo, and then I roasted on a GG60 Probat, and then I roasted on a S70 Loring, and then I roasted on. Um, Mecca's UG15 and then on another S13, oh no, an S15 Loring and then now I'm roasting here on a P12 Probat. So I've had a little bit of experience with different roasters, which mm. is a lot of fun. <coughs> but yeah, so anyway, but your, uh, yeah. your intro into roasting, when did, when did you start? When did, when did we first get you on the roaster? Do you remember when that was? Um... It was a oh, it's probably s- just after I started here, which was well, not just after I started. I started on a part time yeah. <laughs> basis for like six months, and then as I started full time, I think it was like maybe January or February that year. I started standing with you on the roaster, um, yep. weighing up buckets, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and yeah, it was pretty pretty daunting, really. It's like it's, it's just such a foreign. Um, foreign-looking activity as well. Like, mm. yeah. Um, on that, like, what it, what it, what attracted you to being part of the roasting process? Like, what what was the thing that like really made you say, "Hey, I want to, I want to stand there, I want to be there, um, and see that process happen." I think I think the biggest things like probably probably flavor and tasting is yep. like something that's always interests me in food and and beverage. And I think that's what, like, manipulating that is what what kind of drew me drew me towards it. And tasting different things on bar, and then being able to manipulate that further here, is I think that's what drew me in. What yeah. we what were you chasing? Like, what was was there was there a cup? Was there like a like a like a moment in life that no, you were chasing? No, it's just like it's just I think it's like originality of different like how everything can taste so different, even mm-hmm. batch to batch can taste so different. Um, I think that's what interests me most. I've got a question for you, Josh. Yeah. Uh, what was the biggest uh, realizations that you had stepping from bar and going to a roaster that maybe you didn't know about? And when you started roasting, you were like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that this, this had an impact on coffee being mm. a barista. <clears throat> I, I think, well, two things, like little little things – that happen in the roaster that can make such a difference, like, you know, a few degrees at the end of a roast or, you know, a bit too much heat at the end of a roast or um, protocol in warming up or in between batch, how that can influence the flavour. But then also one of the biggest things I think is the actual processing of the coffee and the growing of the coffee and how much that, like, you can't make bad coffee taste good. Um, I think that, that, yeah, that was... (laughs) Can I get an AMA? <laughs> that was two things that I was just like, I, I didn't realise working on bar that like, you know, because I'd, I'd 
worked on bar before and I was confused that like it's the same coffee I'm doing the same thing I'm like why is it so different but then stepping into that side of everything I realized that yeah there are a lot of little things that can impact the flavor but yeah do you think even before that is the the farming the processing do you think it relieved a bit of stress having having a bit of better understanding on the impacts that you're having with coffee and maybe not stressing as much behind the bar as a barista trying to figure out what's happening or what you can adjust or massively yeah massively like yeah my the way i brew now and the way i work on bar is just like completely different after after roasting like yeah i I was i was just saying to ben today i'm just like you shouldn't need to dial anything in like to to an extent to like especially like working here like i remember it was only a couple of months ago junji and i were like we might have dropped like four or five shots of espresso to dial this one coffee in which is quite a norm i think for a lot of coffee shops where we were just like at the end I was like dude we'll just adjust the roast like (laughs) (laughs) like it shouldn't it shouldn't be that hard if it's if if we're roasting to like the right development um we've got good quality green it should be easy on bar it should it should always taste pretty good in certain parameters and we've set those parameters so yeah yeah it should it should be quite easy yeah, yeah, we definitely we've definitely like set that in mm. roasting, and we've got a very open um, communication. Also, yeah. like he is maybe a little bit different to to some other spaces where, you know, Junji, Josh, myself, we're on bar at different at different times, and we're all like pretty because we're we all come from a coffee even roasting background. Uh, now with you know Josh yeah. being part of the roastery team, we're all coming from a roaster's point of view, and we're like this is we should just change this roasting yeah or we should we should actually you know or, or we can change this on par and we mm. understand whether or not we should be trying to manipulate the brewing so that the roasting is better mm. or that we can we can get more from a coffee or we should be manipulating roasting because there's no way that we're going to get the results we want from just brewing changes yeah and we we're kind of more aware of that i think yeah i, I didn't so, actually realize how yeah, back to your question is that I didn't realize how restricted you were on bar, and mm. that's determined so much by the roasting. Mm. Like, yeah, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize that. It was like it was actually quite confusing for me um, starting out when I was like, yeah, perplexed by why these coffees are tasting different or not so good or anything like that. Now I realize it's just like, well, whatever coffee I was using before, just may not have been roasted as well, may not be as good a green quality. Um, and there's nothing I could have done to, to make yeah. it taste good. And I think that's one <coughs> of the keys as well, right? You're not just roasting, you're also selecting the green. Mm. So there's like a two-part two, two part element to that mm. that I guess you don't really realise as much when, you're, oh, when no. you're behind the bar. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, I remember starting out and the names were just like, I don't know, like it's just writing on a bag. Like you don't even really realize that that's like, you know, the origin and the process and everything, all the details on that bag or most bags um, impacts the flavor so much. Yeah. Did you find any challenges with that? Did you find any challenges with the type of work that you were doing behind the bar, which obviously has its certain mindset uh, and certain workflow and then going Mm. from maybe more of a people-facing role into more of a quiet role mm. uh did you find any any challenges with that shift 
Um, no, I, I, I don't think I find, found any challenges in that way because I, I, like, I like the balance of having both. Um, I mean, being on bar is super fun, especially when you're working around good people and have good customers, but it can also be pretty draining. Um, and I've found whenever I am doing like full time on bar, it does become quite draining. Whereas I felt feel like the roasting side is it's a different, well, it's a different energy. Like it's a less physical, like more focused, um, more introverted. So yeah, I, I guess I guess in a way that that would be one of the challenges that like you know some days where you may not sleep so good or you're a bit tired from the weekend or something, you know, like you really have to mentally focus. Whereas I guess on bar you can be a bit more um mechanical yeah yeah a bit more mechanical for sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. especially learning like learning it's yeah 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 so I'm still still learning to roast so it's like it's i don't have that um don't have those hours really behind me yet where you can kind of just slip into um like automation almost yeah 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 definitely um you know i can i i, I can definitely like agree with that there's like there's a there's a certain amount of like mental energy and space that you like kind of need to be into yeah like when a roasting day goes well it usually starts with you being like really ready to mm. roast yeah you're doing we're like different on bar on bar you can be like having an average day and a couple customers can make it just like amazing yeah. and super easy you just like have a couple good interactions and then yeah. all of a sudden like the day's totally transformed and you can be tired and whatever and you can kind of like play off the tired or worn outness and just make it like fun and like get into a groove and change everything yeah. but yeah that, that even the music that's playing and like yep yeah you come in and, and a customer's tired as well and you're just like oh i feel ya. yeah and then you're like you know play off that and you're just like oh well, we're on the same boat kind of thing yeah was there was there any uh skills that you found useful stepping behind the roaster is there any skills or any knowledge that you think is crucial if you're going to start on that journey of learning how to roast um <clears throat> tasting for sure like if you can't if you can't taste then it's like uh, it's almost pointless i think roasting because like the your production cuppings each week and also being able to relate relate that tasting to what you're trying to achieve in the roaster is just it's yeah right. you can't you, I, yeah, yeah. yeah if you're not drinking coffee or like not tasting every week then it's I think it's pointless. It. Yeah, because yeah. you have no, you have no consistent reference point. No. So no. If your if your taste palette isn't there. Your your reference point is constantly off. You don't know what. Yeah. Yeah. How to assess. And and how how did that go for you? Like in the beginning, like when you were like when you were learning, like yeah. how how was you know tasting in the beginning? Like where do you think you were at? And uh, I think I was I was yeah, very basic when I first first joined us here, yep. and I definitely had to get hours of cupping in before i could um start you know differentiating what tastes good and what tastes bad yeah um did that change over time what you thought oh, tastes good and bad for or sure i i feel like, I feel like everyone who everyone who starts in coffee it's like you get into coffee you're behind the machine and then you taste a naturally processed coffee and you're like oh my god like what is this like this is so sweet and fruity. What? Yeah. And then you're like, and then you get into it more. And then, I mean, I, it was only when I came here and, and I think I was on the machine with you. Yeah. And then 
I think we were tasting espresso and I was like, oh, it's not that good. I don't know. And you're like, oh, it's been super well structured. Like, and I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and I think I came in the next day. I was like, pondered it all night. And I was like, what? You know, when you said that Kenyan espresso was well structured, but we didn't really like it that much. It was like, what did that mean? And then you went into like the acidity and everything hitting different parts of your palate. And I was like, ah, okay. So then I think when you start to get that, basic knowledge of how to taste then everything just kind of comes and you figure out what you like and what you don't like and yeah yeah absolutely i mean i i can say that you know even like cupping today because mm. junji josh and i we're cupping each week together so we're kind of like we've got an idea of where we're at and we can like we, we can identify each other's preferences mm -hmm. so we like understand what we like and what we don't like and i mean we can i, I can pretty much put money on what people are going to like more than other things yeah. but it's interesting because like I've seen over time that you've become mm. like really, really calibrated with the things that you like. Mm. Um, and so you can explain to me why you like coffee and I can completely agree yeah. with your breakdown of a coffee. I'd be like, yes, you're absolutely right. That does have more structure than that cup or mm. yes, you're absolutely right. Like that, that is like that. I find the same thing. And then Junji can come in later and like completely different coffees, yeah. but he still agrees with the same breakdown of how the coffees taste. Yeah. So it's like some of us uh, have got a high sensitivity to acidity or sweetness, or some some of us have a like we just kind of like like structure is a deal breaker. Yeah. So yeah. like if the structure's not there, the coffee's not good enough. And yeah, it's interesting like seeing that your like your taste mm. and your palate. For well, sure. So your palate has developed over yeah. time. But your taste preference may have stayed similar. Who knows? But yeah. has it has well, it changed? Well, I know, I know, I know. Definitely, like one thing. I, I don't know. It's something I'm just like I'm always thinking about as well when I'm tasting. Is like, is like just drinking heaps of that coffee. <laughs> it's yeah. Because like, yeah. like a coffee can taste really good with like two two slurps, and you're like, oh yeah, it's great acidity. It's really sweet. But then I'm like, yeah, but if I was gonna have like a large batch of that from the cafe, like, am I still gonna enjoy it at the like the bottom quarter, the bottom half? So it's kind of like, it's a, not the yeah. best word, but like smashability and like, yeah. like, like it's like, I want it, no, I want it to legit. be smashable. Like I want it to be like, I want to finish that 12 ounce and be still craving more. Like I yeah. don't want to be like, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and what, what is, Cause what I've is had, smashability in, in more in well, profile? Yeah. I think, like it, I think it's balance. It's structure. It's balance. Structure and balance. It's yeah. Mouthfeel. Like you don't want it to be too aggressive in acidity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah well structured in the sweetness like yeah. i don't know i've had some like especially some kenyan i was just raving on today how much i love kenyan coffee but like you know if it's roasted <laughs> with too much development it can be like it can be too much and i've had batches from places where you like get halfway through it and you're just like oh i just can't do anymore like yeah. and that's something where i think we're very we're focused on that yeah you can make something super sweet and wild but yeah you want it you want it to be balanced fantastic yeah what about uh, what about brewing? Has your has your <coughs> brewing changed since you've started roasting? Have the way that you brewed coffee that you brew coffee or that you look at coffee when you're extracting it changed? Yeah, massively. I think we, we touched on it before. It's just like if it's well sourced and well roasted, it should like it within reason should be quite easy to brew. Yeah. Um, Do you think you play around with it less now? Yeah. Seeing as you, you kind of understand it a little bit better with the variables, you sort of, you know, like 
trying to guess how to make it taste better. Yeah. And have a better understanding of the coffee. Yeah, to an extent. Mm. For we, sure. I, I would say we are in like a little bit of an isolated, you know, situation where like a, a lot of people have to deal with different um, green coffee constraints and the way that they need to, I guess, like deal with certain coffees in different ways. So it's like for us, you know, it's where we have a luxury of running coffees the way that we want, when we want. Um, like on the roastery side, we're like we're we're really strict with like the parameters in which we buy coffee, so that we, I mean, we've had occasionally, and I mean, like I could definitely count on one hand how many times we've had a coffee like land bad, and but out of responsibility of being coffee roasters, we still take it and we deal with it. But it's for the most part we're like dealing with, yeah, small small aspects of negativity within within the green coffee side of things so it's pretty lucky in the sense that, you know you're not you don't you never really need to work that much with the coffee before and it I, tastes I, good yeah it's just like good to great is like a that's that's the, the window i feel that's like the window yeah i feel like it just i growing for a little while now and also on the roasting side too mm. and knowing people and giving people coffee who may not know so much about tasting, like I was saying before, like, you know, structure, acidity, all that kind of thing. I feel like that opens the window a little more. Like what we do nitpick on bar, 90% of our customers probably wouldn't notice anyway. So I think that kind of like eases my mind a bit on bar as well. Um, you know, a lot of the times where I'll be like, be doubting a batch and feed it to Ben or Junji and like, oh, it's great. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> And like it happens to all of us. Like yeah. even even today it happened again. Like, oh, should we serve it? I'm like, it's delicious. Like yeah. yeah. But see, that's yeah. just our little our little nitpicking. So Yeah. Now mm. we can definitely get in our own minds about yeah, certain yeah, yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What was the most difficult thing about roasting for you? Like what was the thing that you found most difficult in learning how to roast? What was a big challenge? Um <clears throat> I think I think it'd been such a I don't know like a foreign activity for me like just everything about it you know your your roasting graphs and your charging temps every everything was just like completely foreign so it's like even though it's still <laughs> even though it's still coffee it's like it's couldn't be more different to brewing were you um, scared of any parts of the process that you were part of the roasting process beforehand perhaps oh before you, before trying oh it? yeah i mean i, I mean, mean i, 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 I was terrified that i was going to like ruin a batch of coffee yeah like, i think that's that well i don't know if it's normal so on, or not but on, like on average okay, on yes. average just just for just for listeners sake on average we're we're, we're roasting six kilo batches in a 12 kilo roaster six kilos at you know roughly probably most of the time coffees are between 15 and 20 dollars a kilo <clears throat> so like do do the math and we've lost batches before but it's kind of rare because we have very strict protocols mm. so and we've got the like luxury of having a coffee bar that can like deal with mm. coffee in different ways but most of the time it's rare to lose a batch but you can imagine that six times 17 50 yeah something like that that's kind of 
you, you, but, but anyway, to it's your, a real fear. It's a real fear too. I still remember like when I, that my first day roasting, Ben's like, "You're gonna fuck up a batch. You're gonna stuff up a batch. I want, I want you to stuff up a batch. <laughs> like, yeah. and it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter at all. Which yes. is, I think, would be rare in in roasteries. But like that definitely is the nerves a little bit. But yeah, I'm. I think taking on new tasks and in um, uh, like different environments, I find quite anxiety driving yeah. anyway so that was it was just the general general thing of trying to master a new task and being so foreign i'm like am i ever going to get a hang of it um which i slowly am um but yeah i guess the biggest the biggest ones are like perhaps stuffing up a whole batch and then also like will i even get this because it seems so foreign mm. maybe yeah. a question for for ben then yeah 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 uh <laughs> What is your perspective or how have you seen Josh evolve in this learning journey? Um, like, do you have a process again? Like th- things to focus yeah. on or like what, what, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, so I, I definitely have a, I, I've taught a few people to roast um, now and I didn't necessarily want to fall in the mm-hmm. position of teaching people. Not because I didn't want to, but because like I just didn't think that I would need to. Like I didn't, I didn't choose to like teach people coffee roasting, but naturally you kind of like you fall in that position where you're like, oh, we should probably teach someone to roast, or you know, and uh, previous companies like, hey, you, you kind of need to teach the person who is going to take over your role, like which is you know it's happened before, um, and I think like with Josh specifically, but then also like with other people, it's like I realized that this echoes exactly what Josh was saying. It's like, if you start with good green coffee and good processes, which are like, it's not even like like personality dependent. It's like good batch to batch protocol processes, good warm up processes are really easy to teach because they're like, hey, wait this certain amount of time, run this profile, like a heat up profile or run this batch to batch protocol, which is just like, it's not a, it's not a very detailed thing. It's just like, wait a certain amount of time, you know, you know, at a certain amount of temperature. And most things will go as planned, most things. And, I mean, great roasters are, like, in the, in the little details. But I knew that when, like, taking on someone like Josh to, like, learn roasting, I was just like, he's going to do silly, like, little things and he's going to, like, forget something or he's going to, like, drop a batch too early or too late because he's learning. But I knew, for the most part, that when, like, using good green coffee – we've got a really big window for error. So I was like, I, I knew that it'd be, I knew that it'd be okay. And I was like, actually kind of like, I really look forward to, it's not like I like watching people squirm. Oh, no. <laughs> you are definitely but, like this. <laughs> I know he doesn't. But, <laughs> but I don't mind. I don't mind when people squirm for a little bit. Yeah. You know, and they're like, because I know in that, like in that, in that, like, you know, in that instance, I know that people are like, their head is creating these these new connections on how they're thinking about things, and for me, it's exciting. Like to see them, to see them, because they're they're working out a thought process. Yeah, you know, and I, I see I see Josh's thought process in different in different ways throughout like the course of you know like o- over a year. Mm. Like I've seen Josh work through different ways, and he's like, oh man, like I should have done this, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, dude, you you did this because of this information that you've got and you did with it in this way 
And like, that's interesting. But then I've also got this attitude and this personality type that I'm like, I don't mind errors and mistakes mm. because like, I'm also like willing to be surprised by something. Like I, I always say just like, you know, penicillin was a mistake. And I always like, I'm like, I'm fine with like mistakes. Mistakes are great. Like I want to taste mm. them. I really want to taste yeah, mistakes. Well like I really want to taste mistakes. Like mistakes are exciting to me because they're an opportunity again for me to learn and for me to learn how people are, uh, how people are wired and, um, and then I get to like, I, I get to learn something about Josh. I get mm -hmm. to learn something about coffee. Like it's a win-win. Mistakes are a win-win. It's not really, and most there's really no it, loss. Most of the time it tastes okay as well, mm, yeah. which, which is like the, the, the craziest thing. And on what you were saying before, how he like turns his back and lets me squirm. It's yeah. <laughs> like, I know he does it as well. And in like a little way, it's like, obviously like really makes you really nervous, but then it's kind of like flattering as well. Cause it's like, Oh, he knows I'll figure it out. Like he knows. And if yeah. I don't, he's all right with that as well. So yeah. like what, 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 Josh, what's the biggest or the worst thing that has happened to you so far in the roasting, you know, uh, roasting realm? Um, for, I don't know. I think today was probably the <laughs> today. <laughs> today was a, that today. was the that was my sketchiest batch yet. I was think. There, but then what happened today? Oh, actually, we can talk about today. Yeah. Today is a real roastery situation. Mm. Um, okay, so real roastery situation. You've got multiple people, obviously working yeah. in the roastery. In this case, it was Josh and myself. Um, and that's what it'd be like in most roasteries. You've got like other people that you're like kind of relying on to do certain things. Josh was relying on me to weigh a six kilo batch. <laughs> well, that was an error in his <laughs> estimation. I should have known. He should have known. <laughs> anyway, I was like, so a seven seven and a half kilo batch later. Seven, exactly seven seven, seven kilo batch seven. later. <laughs> I was on the phone with T and T FedEx. I'm definitely not going to blame them, but. It's probably their fault. It's probably their fault. Yeah. And anyway, it's not their fault. It's my yeah. fault. I think that I weighed a seven kilo batch. This has happened before mm. previously at other places and many other places. But not to me. Not to Josh. So I gave him a six, uh, yeah. what he thought and I thought was a six kilo batch and he was roasting it right after the exact same coffee at mm. six kilos. And he put the coffee in and I was on the phone and he's like, what's going on? Because and we've also, is, had, some, we've also had some gas issues as well. We have had gas issues before. Of like a not, which is just another... Um, it's another layer to yeah, the complexity of roasting. To roasting. Yeah, we, 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 we can touch on that, that aspect a, mm. a little bit later. But anyway, so Josh was counting on like his protocols working. Mm. So outside of protocols, yeah, outside of protocols, it, it, like, yeah. it begins and, and to it raise alarms. And it wasn't... It was just running way below our profile for the first, well, from the very start. Yep. Which I thought might have been a gas issue. Give it a bit more gas. Still wasn't reacting. Finally, like, got it to catch up with the profile, but then dropped it in a similar way that I would the six kilo batch. So maybe not quite enough development or temperature. Um, yep. Anyway, then it came out. We could notice it was, it was bigger. But, um, you know, we ended up blind tasting it. We all had different favorites. Yeah. So we couldn't actually identify that it was that much lighter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, they just, they cup differently. Yeah. 
definitely cup differently. Everyone like literally pushed the same cups forward that were different, and we mm. did like a blind tasting for all of us. Um, but yeah, once again, it's like I'm willing to taste that stuff before saying like, yeah, and it tastes. Why fine. are you going to throw out good yeah. coffee? And I'm not talking from like a a point of view where we're like we're not willing to throw things out that are not good. It's just like, mm. what defines something that's not good? And worth throwing out. And then we also know, and you know now more than ever, and we might touch on this later, is like green coffee is very valuable and like a lot of work went into it. So I, the last thing I want to do is to throw away coffee because of pride, you know, or ego because it didn't like meet a certain, you know, expectation, previous expectation. The reality is the result in the cup is the expectation and it was... Tasty. tasty, potentially equally tasty for different reasons, you know. Um, but yeah, but anyway, that that but was that like was I, one yeah. that was one mistake yeah. that's happened. And there's maybe been other like really small things. Yeah, Most of the maybe time, like missing. I think I've like missed gas changes. Missed gas changes. I've forgotten to put the coffee in the top of the roaster and then like went to charge it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh yeah, that's right. You know, after the yeah, my eighth batch or something when I was like you know starting off, which isn't really an issue um but yeah i i think i I haven't had any massive massive stuff ups but then i'm also i also kind of know my days as well so i'm i can i can kind of know when i'm like and i feel i feel comfortable communicating i'm like yo my head's probably not completely there today just keep a little closer um and i'm happy to communicate that or like say okay i'll just do half the roasting today because of yeah, to make sure you're in the right. Mind yeah, place. to make sure I'm in the right process, and that's I don't like. I know you need to make mistakes to learn, but then also I don't want to, you know, make that mistake for no reason. Yeah, definitely. Um, just, just like for you know, not sleeping all night. Ben's happy to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you you mentioned before that tasting was probably uh, one of those crucial skills that you need to develop if you are going to go into roasting. Is there any any tips or anything that you did to, to try and develop that? Was there anything that, you know, any advice you could give? Um, definitely cupping regularly and around experienced cuppers like these two. Um, I think I think that's the... What? <laughs> I was just saying flattering. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, like I think that like just you need to surround yourself with people who know more than you. Like you, it's it's like you can taste all you want, but like I said, I was you know tasting for a few years. I was tasting coffee for a few years, and then came here and like it was like one of my first weeks here, and we like we mentioned structure and acidity and stuff like that. And I didn't really know. I kind of like I knew if coffee was like sweet or bitter, mm. but I didn't really know that tasting went further than that. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think I think that would probably be the number one, like taste regularly and with experienced tasters. But then also, I I have I think you need to have a tasters mindset where it's kind of annoying at times, but like everything you taste, you're kind of analyzing whether it's food or like you know wine or or anything. You just like I'm tasting and I'm thinking about structure and acidity and finish and balance. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, that would be probably my, my biggest two, yeah. Mm. Uh, just just on, on, yeah. on what Josh is saying is, like, it, it it is definitely something that Josh has 
not a novice in previously to here. He had to readapt to coffee and he had to, you know, kind of like learn different aspects of how we were talking. And, and, and there's a calibration aspect rather than like a, a knowledge aspect where Josh is tasting a lot and he's going out and eating a lot. And he's always mm. like eating a lot, drinking a lot, assessing things. And as you said, like the taster's mindset, yeah. he's not exactly like not thinking about things. He's not like endlessly just consuming things. Yeah. He's really thinking about things. He likes the finer things in life. <laughs> he just had to, he had to somewhat adapt. Yeah. Early on. Well, to was, yeah. And, and I would say that different workplaces are different. They're going to calibrate differently and like react to different flavor profiles differently. And like, that's totally, totally normal. But, but yes, it is just like tasting a lot and constantly thinking about what you're consuming is extremely valuable. Yep. Mm. I was just like, yeah. yeah. So like, so let's say I'm a, I'm a barista at a cafe in a small team, you know, I'm not surrounded by roasters. Mm. Um, how, what can I do to cup with more experienced people? Like what all like, well, develop I, that taste aspect, you know. I mean, it's a bit of a shame that mm. through COVID, but when I, so when I had my uh, cafe journey and I was getting into coffee and then I realised that I wanted to pursue it further, I went to a lot of, I was trying to go to a cupping every week in Sydney. So I went from, you know, like Honor to, I know like a Geisha cupping at Brewtown, Newtown. Like I came here for like your opening night and Kenyan cupping. Like I just tried to go to and find as many cuppings as I could and attend them. And then even like contacting our roaster, wanting to go and cup with them. So mm. there's there's always people cupping about. And I think, I feel like us, for example, like especially when we were open on Tuesdays and we have our production cupping on this bench in front of the whole cafe, like slurping and all, like anyone yeah. who asks about it, we'll invite them to cup yeah. if they want. Like, so I, I feel like part of like, our coffee culture, hopefully, I know a lot of other roasteries would be similar, but yeah, maybe not as open. But a lot of coffee people like want you to get into coffee. Absolutely. So like, ask, ask, ask your local roaster, ask your local cafe. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of you have to put the effort in. Oh, on that, like, um, like there's a lot of roasters who they would they would want to open their doors. Mm. Like sometimes it's just like your contact is not as close to like the mm. person that wants that, that can actually open up the doors to like cup. But honestly, if you speak to every roaster or cupper, they want to share with you. Yeah. Like it's very, very rare that you're yeah. going to meet someone in coffee who doesn't want to tell you or doesn't want to like experience something with you or anything. Most of the time it's like you being too afraid to ask. Yeah. Or you just not having the right avenue to access them, which is like through an account manager, through someone who feels like it's not appropriate. But the reality is, it's like coffee is like super underappreciated, like there to share. And definitely it's like an open invite, like once we're open and we can mm. have people cupping without worrying about COVID, pandemic, all that kind of stuff. It's like, man, cup whenever you want here. It's yeah. just like we are more than willing to like have people to cup and taste. Actually, I like want people to, because for me, it's like the more tasters, the better you get like a better understanding of flavor yeah. profiles and everything. I think I would add to that. What you were saying before, Josh, is that 
you know, developing your your uh, palate isn't can well you you can do it with other things than just coffee. Oh yeah, right. Sure. And so if if you're starting off trying to perceive flavors, but you're trying to start off with coffee, it might be a big jump. But if mm. you go into something like juices, try and pick out what fruits in the juice, or try mm. and picking out what veggies are in the soup, or you know what herbs were put in in, in a certain dish, then I think that's a good way to start creating that, that connection between flavor mm. and a real word. And suddenly when you step into something that's a little bit more intricate, which could be coffee or wine or, or, mm. or whatever, I think it, it becomes a little bit easier to make those links. Yeah, even that's right. I, I think food's a big one on, on balance, especially like you can taste a dish and you can taste if it's a bit too salty or, you know, if it's a bit too fatty, if it's lingering in your mouth. And I think that's, that's a big one that kind of, helped me helped me get into balance especially and then once you build up your knowledge in coffee you f- you know what's going to like what's going to balance that bitterness out or you know that acidity out definitely yeah um now that you've been roasting a little bit like what excites you still in coffee like what's the most exciting thing to like that you're like looking forward to like mm. in the roasting process in like, is there a certain milestone that you wish like to reach, reach within coffee or? Um, <clears throat> I mean, probably a short, short term goal would be like to be able to get new green in and then like roast it myself, like start that profile, get the process, which um, we're kind of touching on. We've kind of touched on in the last month or so, yep. getting new coffees in and like how to approach them. Um, I think for me, yeah, to get a new coffee in and roast it and adjust that profile to like get a really good outcome would be like pretty pretty big for me. Because um, I still feel like, and I still feel like I'm in that in that kind of um, learning learning curve of just kind of following profiles a bit more. I do adjust a little bit, but um, yeah, that that whole process for me would be from selecting to like roasting to serving is just like that'd be that's pretty pretty big um and maybe even going to origin (laughs) yeah one day you know then (laughs) oh man i want to serve oh they've been talking about it since we started yeah it's unbelievable yeah of course yeah yeah i mean Uh, for me it's like i was talking with a customer just like the other day about traveling to mexico and i was like oh man and like we just didn't have enough time. I just wanted to talk to them more and more, like because the reality is, like when you go to Origin, it's not like you're starstruck by producers, but you just begin to get an understanding of like what they're going through and like, How hard it is. man, it's just like, it's just like, yeah, I couldn't imagine. I tried to like grow basil, like, didn't <laughs> 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 you got me a basil plant for my, like Christmas last year? And I was like, didn't even last that long. So it's like, imagine like that your whole livelihood, yeah, imagine your livelihood and the weather and the post, like it's yeah. just, it's crazy. And I think only getting into roasting and green coffee like makes you appreciate that. I, I still haven't been to Origin, but like I'm sure that'll open your eyes even more to mm. to like how hard it is and and the respect you should have for coffee like ben was saying we're not going to ditch a batch because it might be a little bit light or like even on bar that's like why i like to be a bit more lenient and like you know take into consideration who's going to taste what because Mm. like you just don't want to be dumping all this coffee down the sink Mm. absolutely 
I mean, if if I was going to inspire anyone with with anything, it's like I uh, I'm constantly myself inspired by Coffee Collective's kind of model of you know a uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase. I don't know the exact thing, but they're like, you know, a, a coffee farmer in Kenya should be living the same standard of living as a like a, a, a wine or a grape farmer or a wine producer in France, mm. you know. And, and that speaks like a lot to me that a producer can earn and have the same living as a producer. And and I think that I think that means a lot, and I think it also says a lot about how coffee's like greatly underappreciated. And I'm not like saying you know like everyone needs to pay so much more for coffee and yeah, yeah. all this kind of stuff, but I but I am saying yeah. that mm. coffee is a really complex process, and there's so much that goes into it, and it rarely gets touched like on a on a daily basis. Yeah, and we and we drink a lot of great coffee, and I love like the the aspect that I love most about coffee is you can come to many cafes in Sydney. You can come to us and you can drink a coffee that's like some of the best in the world of that varietal, of that processing, roasted well. I mean, I hope I'm obviously super biased, but there's other places who are doing, you know, amazing jobs. The best in the world. Mm -hmm. It's like, and you buy it for like four bucks a cup. And you're like, where on earth can you buy the best thing in the world? And everyone can afford it. Like yeah. everyone. Yeah. Like everyone. Doesn't even like it doesn't even matter your background, your paycheck, your your anything. Yeah. And you can enjoy it. Or at least begin to try to enjoy it and begin to acquire more knowledge about it. That's what's really special about coffee. It's super accessible. Yeah. Super, super accessible. Yeah. Uh, what are the reasons someone shouldn't become a roaster? <laughs> well, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I feel like you ha- you have to almost you have to be you definitely have to be super passionate, dedicated, and focused to to even like think about putting out a good product. I think there's there's a lot more to it than like I don't know turning beans brown like to to be efficient um, and put out a good product. There's a lot of little processes that go into to every roast. Yeah. Um, you know, even uh, like checking moisture, storing the beans correctly, production cuppings each week. Yeah. You know, using crop serve. Yeah. There's like yeah. There's a lot. I mean, there's social media makes it seem like it's more yeah. of a celebrity's job, mm. but like, it's very much like it's process, it's method, it's you know um, trial and error. Trial and error. It's being like unapologetically like honest about you and yeah. I feel like yeah, yeah, yeah you, you have to like you have to handle feedback like, feedback well. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's like sometimes it's like brutal. You know, yeah. and you're faced with like ethical dilemmas like all the time. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're out to prove a point, like coffee's not a very good avenue to prove a point. I mean, what do you mean by prove a point? Well, I, I think that I think that I think that really good coffee 
is easy to share. But really good coffee is found and founded by really like humble and honest people trying to do great stuff. But further on that, I think I think really good coffee could only be appreciated by someone who knows really good coffee. That's true. In a way, like, you know, to really to really like appreciate the finer details of a coffee i feel like you really need to know coffee which isn't that like i don't think it's general knowledge no Uh, you really need to understand tasting brewing Mm. the roasting side even the farming the processing side like there's a lot of knowledge and background that i think comes with appreciating really 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 good cup of coffee And, and i think like on you know on saying that you know, we buy good coffees. Like, there's so many, there's so many roasters that buy like great coffees, um, and I think that if you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be a roaster if you don't want to share things that are great, because when you have that, that open mindset of wanting to share things great, like it's like when when you when you're sharing something, you have this like, there's a certain receivability that you need to have in your personality, where like you're giving it and you're like you're almost like wanting feedback mm. you're like hey like i really 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 want to share this with you but i'm also welcome to like i'm welcoming enough to receive feedback from it and as a roaster i think that's the biggest asset is to like be willing to for someone to say like i hate it or that's bitter or that's terrible or that's not sweet enough or this is different and then like diving into it and being open enough to be, say, like, I could be better. Like, me. Like, I could do better. And what is what is being better for you as a roaster? Um, what kind of feedback would you be receptive to as well? Everything. Like, literally everything. Um, I think that... Huh? Examples? <laughs> oh, man, I've got examples. <laughs> we, we had, like... We, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have, like, a customer. Like, we had one customer come in, and she said, oh, the coffee's, the coffee's actually good today. Like, oh. it's really improved. And I'm thinking, wow. And I'm like, I, and I'm not thinking from my side, like, honestly, from my point of view, I'm not just like, I don't, I don't care what you thought about our coffee before. And, You're like, thank God you finally yeah. think it's good. Yeah. I'm just, like, thinking, like, what led her to, to think, think that mm. before and like to be clear i don't think our coffee changed <laughs> but something did for her yeah, mm. and that matters so i'm like trying to get a hold on like what that is and then two customers before we have someone saying mm, the coffee's different but then i'm thinking did i fill the cup a little bit shorter was it a little bit stronger like and then i found out later on that she was actually on some like two week long vegan retreat and she's like thinks her palate greatly changed because she had it cooked everything cooked for her for like three meals a day for the last two weeks and it probably did it probably did yeah and i was thinking okay cool so you need perspective but the biggest thing is like you need to be like you need to be really like open to these kinds of yeah things yeah and and i i I think that i think that you're it's not like you're you want to change on a dime, mm. you know, and you want to like change your whole idea of coffee, like by every word that anyone says, but you need to be willing for 
five people to say a similar thing for them to shift your mindset. Because I, I feel you like you need to be willing to shift your mindset, and that's an important attribute. Is like you need to be willing to shift your mindset about coffee because you're not the one drinking it yeah. most of the time. And that's back on the dial-in as well. It's like yeah. it's like yeah, that's that's like you're dialing this coffee like to your taste. Like, but there's so many other people drinking it, and even yeah. us three, we like we have different takes on most coffees. So it's like you know you've got all these consumers like we have i it's, it's i wouldn't say it's common but quite a few times we've come in and we usually ask people if they want something more traditional tasting or something more fruity and light yeah. and they see whichever one's more bitter where in our eyes that's like that's, that's a bad a attribute co- that's not a good but coffee. that's what they want or stronger yeah or stronger or they, stronger. they want bitter common. stronger coffee and you're like what's What's stronger? So yeah, you know, so like that's like, a common thing, right? Mm. As you're saying, like bitter. You're like, yeah. what's stronger? And they're like, oh, more like, more like, you know, like more. And you're like, oh, more robust, like more coffee flavor. So then that's cool. as, as a roaster, you, you're sourcing this coffee, roasting, putting all this effort in, and then someone just wants a bitter, mm. strong cup of coffee. So you're like, that's that. What I was saying before is like, you know, and you're doing a lot of this work, so a small uh, proportion of people can appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know. So it's some, yeah. But but in saying that, like, the work of a roaster, in like in my estimation, also is like understanding the process enough to be able to achieve a result that doesn't please yourself but pleases others, and like when you know that, and when you can acquire the skill for you to be able to like roast a coffee that that person likes, mm. it's really like it's a really it's a really valuable thing. It happens in like competitions too. Like I, I think that in AeroPress competitions that I've that I've competed in, I haven't made a coffee that I wanted. I've made a coffee that I think the judges will want, and I think that that has in what way? Well, like I know that someone like I know that they're they're five beers down, and I know the roasteries <laughs> that they work at. You know, like legit. Like yeah, I yeah. know that how much they've drunk. I know how much coffee they've drunk. And I know that over time, how your palate fatigues and how you won't be able to perceive certain flavors. So I know that you need to brew a certain coffee. Not that it's going to be the best coffee to them the morning after this night, but that's actually going to be able to penetrate their palate right now after six IPAs and, you know, three rounds of AeroPress. Mm. And that's a different coffee. Yeah. And then that's going to win a competition, you know, and that, that's the idea. You like, you need to know your audience. Yeah. Um, even as a roaster, well, not just a brewer, no, but it also goes back to what we were saying on bar as well. It's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, certain people perceive different yeah. tastes. So, how do you how do you feel now, Josh, when you when you serve the coffee? Now that you sort of have a play in how you roast it, do you feel any sort of sense of pride, or is there any feelings towards uh, the coffee that you're putting out? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a. Um, Oh, okay. No, there's definitely definitely a sense of pride. Like I was saying, like that process from like green coffee, and it's such a good environment we're in here that you get to experience that because I think it's pretty rare. Um, that yeah, we get the green coffee in the back, we roast it, and then serve it out the front to everyone. It's just like, and especially when well, I mean the coffee's always pretty good, but especially when something is just tasting like on point, you're just like, yes. This, this is like, this is the best. Awesome. Yeah. 
right. Well, I'd like to say goodbye, but I think uh, wow. I think uh, Ben's family's here, and uh, yeah. wait for Ben to come back, and then we'll say a little. That's like real oh, life. Man. That was cute. That was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, we'll, oh, I didn't know what no, we'll about. just. Um, we're thinking we'll about just, wrapping, unless you you have any any questions. Well, for just, no, I mean, if I was going to recap, um, just on that last question, you know, yeah, yeah, like, really, yeah. well, on the like on the reasons not uh, yeah. to become like coffee roaster, I'd just say like if if you're not in it for the consumer, then you really need to rethink what you're doing because like in the, at the end of the day you're not going to be brewing and enjoying the coffee that you roast most of the time it's for other people um you need to be like you need to be willing to be open to feedback because it's like it's a really exposing kind of like task because of the range and the audience that are kind of you know of tasting your coffee and like seeing it i think it's like it's for me for me it's really enjoyable but for others it might not be because you're like relying on a lot of other people and a lot of feedback um you have to know what you like and you have to have experience tasting as we like we touched on with josh is like you have to really know what you're talking about you know and you need to be able to like assess what you like and what others may like and then be able to like differentiate different things um for different purposes um and i think they're like they're really important things as coffee roasters along with also like focus it's a solitary kind of thing like a lot of a lot of the time you're not talking to people you're like you it's something that in previous jobs i've had headphones on pretty much the whole day you know where you kind of like you get in a zone you listen to like a podcast you listen to music and you just follow process and you've got to enjoy like the process of doing something, um, and that's I, I I think you need to be able to at least appreciate the solitary aspect of, of roasting. I mean, we're lucky we only do it like one day a week or two times mm. a week, but like some if you're like pursuing roasting as a career, you've got to be willing to like be alone for like long periods of time, so you have to like yourself, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, if there, if there was anyone out there that sort of was trying to look into how to get into roasting, is there any any words of advice that you would give them? To get into roasting? Yeah. Um, definitely start reading. Like, there's a few roasters out there and... What's the most inspirational um, reading material or Instagram well, account or I mean, something? Yeah, I just... Or Coffee Roaster. That you followed. Well, I, see, I was super lucky in my pursuit because I was I was finishing up my cafe. I just started looking into books, reading like you know your Scott Rao and stuff like that, and then was going to approach these guys to learn, and then they advertised for a job, and then I end up applying. Like literally, <laughs> it all that all happened in a week. So for me, but what I what I was going to do was going to ask to just come observe cup. That's that's what I was going to do. I was super lucky in my pursuit, though. But yeah, like reading, I think, I think, yeah, like I said before, tasting's a massive one. Learn how to taste and then move into it, because like trying to, um, I mean, change 
like manipulate taste with your roast, which is what I'm still learning to do now, like 18 months in. Um, like that's probably the most important skill to have. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the start, your starting, starting point is definitely just, just tasting. Cause if you, if you don't enjoy tasting coffee and you don't enjoy tasting different coffees or telling coffees apart, then, you know, I mean, that's what you're going to be doing. So, yeah. What about you, Ben? Um, question was, if there's anyone out there that's looking to start to roast, is there any words of advice that you could give them? Um, I think, I think you have to be, you have to be somewhat assertive enough to like, it's unfortunate, like this whole like assertion, like I, I don't want, I don't want people who, um, I mean, sorry, I'll, I'll rephrase. I think it's hard for a lot of people who are not as assertive to like get into roasting. I think that roasters kind of like fall into positions a lot of the time. They're like they're on the bar and then like over time they if there's a spot that opens up in a roastery they kind of like they slip in there or like they accidentally get in there because they were literally like a delivery driver for the roastery well there's no course or anything and to there do is nothing roasting. yeah i mean i mean to me this was the thing that ap- appealed to me most about roasting in the in the beginning so in the beginning i was like greatly misguided in it you know i thought like that it would be easy enough to get into if you, like, just pursued it in a certain avenue. It doesn't always work like that. You can't just, like, work your way from a bar into a roastery. Sometimes you have to be the delivery driver. Sometimes you have to be, like, right place, right like right that's time. That's what I that's Have what the I right availability. Yeah. Mm. You know? And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, this guy would be good or this girl would be good. And, that, and that's I think that's just recapping and correct me if I'm wrong. That's what you mean by assertiveness, right, is that – there's, there's not a lot of uh, available spots um, or roasting positions. Um, it is a wanted position by, by a lot of people um, and it doesn't really just happen yeah. in a lot of places. There needs to be some sort of proactive uh, intention to, mm. to try and get into those positions. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Not, not, not only proactive, but like I, I think that it, it's unfortunate that like a lot of people put energy into trying to become a roaster at the wrong time. For certain, for certain companies, and certain companies have like established themselves so much so that they're almost like it's it's like a fortress. It's like so hard to get into, and the assertive nature that I'm also referring to is like it's hard for pe- it is hard for people to really to put themselves out there and to say I think I'm the right person for the job, and I want to clarify what I think is the right person for the job. The right person for the job is what we've been talking about is someone like greatly interested in flavor, willing to be open to like have their mind changed, who is willing to like develop themselves in like new and interesting ways to better the consumer. Mm. And that needs to be their focus to like work out how to make coffee better for everyone. And then like that's a person who I think should be going up to a roastery owner and saying like when you have a spot call me first because i'm gonna fight like hard for this position because i've got what it takes to become a good roaster yeah Yeah, so like i guess you've touched this again before like there might be a other position open like delivery delivery driver or 
bagging coffee or even just warehouse assistant. And I, I found that, you know, people that I've dealt with, it's some of the great roasters, they are curious about flavours, again, but also willing to do mundane, repetitive tasks again and again, and then they do it really well. So not, you know, it might be a bagging coffee, weighing up coffee, you know, um, it's, it sounds <laughs> boring, but like yeah. moving green coffee bags from organising the warehouse, organising shelves, and do those small things well, and then people, if you're surrounded by good people, they will, yeah. they will notice that, and when there is a hole, they'll be thinking, you know, uh, Yuya, he, he smashed that bagging. You know, he was, first day, he was better than anyone else. You know, let's get him to do the next thing, the third thing, you know. And then soon he was roasting on um, 15 kilos and pretty much running the whole warehouse. Yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting, Junji, the, the per, like that kind of like that career path. Because there is no career path. Well, I was gonna, yeah, sorry, I was go going to touch on the career path thing before too. When like I had a friend and she'd worked on bar for a long time, was even like relationship manager. And she was like, I remember sitting down and she's like, well, now I have to like become a roaster or open a cafe. Yeah. And it's oh like, my goodness. and it's like, you look at those things just where I've kind of like done both of them now and they're just so different. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I'm, it's I'm not, not like, there's no path. Like that's not, that's not the path. Like, no. But it's it's the it's the kind of confusing thing about about this industry where it's like you know yeah. what Junji was saying is that like that's the road in just to like yeah. you know get in the in the warehouse and start bagging delivering and then like yeah because it's like even such a, like a barista that's been a barista for five years it's like it's such a different job than that as well like yes you can yeah. be both curious on flavor but it's it's quite different, different. yeah it's a different set yeah. of skills again. If you if you want to roast for yourself, it's different than if you want to roast for someone else, because if you want to roast for someone else, the best thing is to be non-threatening. You know, in the way of being so assertive that like you've got a strong personality that you want to like change everything, because no roastery wants to hire a roaster who's going to change everything. Especially someone who hasn't learned how to roast yet. Exactly. Mm. So like, no one wants to. No one wants to hire someone who's got like, who wants to change absolutely everything, who's got no experience in changing everything. And like, this was my problem when I first was like trying to get into roasting myself was like, I didn't have the experience to like back myself up. What I had was an idea and I thought it was a good idea. That doesn't make it a good idea, you know? And I think the important thing is to know exactly like, what do you want to do? If you're going to want to open up something for yourself, like, Learn the skills in your spare time. Jump like, like wide, deep. Take a huge leap. Pick up with a lot of people. Know exactly what you want to do. Pick up with people and also get a get a reference of where you're at, like professionally mm. in a palate sen- like in a palatal sense. Um, and then actually, I say like take a leap, like work at a collaborative roastery. You know, like. You know, but apart from that, I would say if you want to roast for someone, as Junji was pointing out before, sometimes it is like that really like almost passive avenue in an established roastery with an established flavor profile and way of doing things wants to know that there is someone who is willing to do the hard yards. There's something to willing to 
that they're, they're going to play the they're going to play the play the play. They're going to run the play. They're going to come in. They're going to do it well, and they're going to do it really like methodically. And they're going to learn the process. And they and you're going to learn in the process anyway. Like if you want to roast for someone, you're going to learn that process. Um, but they don't want to see a maverick. They don't. They want someone who is going to like follow protocol and procedure. They don't want someone who has no experience who's going to change everything. And I think, and it's a difference between the two roasters that are going to become roasters. There's some who are going to become roasters and do their own thing, and there's some who are going to become roasters and be like small, gradual, curious changes of massive companies. And there is total value in both of those, but you got to decide who you are. Mm. You know. I think also touching back on what Josh said before, he put in a lot of groundwork before he even came in here. Yeah, you know, He was already working on his palette. He was already starting to read up. He was already starting to sort of build that base knowledge and that base understanding. So when the opportunity did arise, he could mm. take full advantage of it and make sure that he presented the best version of himself. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky. I was also in a mindset that, I just wanted to, to surround myself with good people and like-minded people. So that's, again, made it easier for me to, to come in and, and, you know, learn, learn from Ben Roasting and, and on bar because I, I knew I was going to be around like-minded people. So it's, you know, I wasn't trying to go into change something like, you know, like we were saying. Um, but, yeah, that, that made it super easy. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Send it. Send it. <laughs>